get a lot of questions about where to buy things, what the best part for the job is, where and how to route those harnesses, and numerous other questions from Slip Angle listeners and readers of TrackTune.com. When it comes to safety gear, there are very serious questions answered. If you're like most of our listeners and you have a car you race, track, or autocross, you should check out the best in the safety parts business, OG Racing. OG Racing's friendly staff are incredibly well-versed in the products and the installations of the parts they sell. They can assist you in not only purchasing the safety gear for your car, but also answering questions on installing and using them correctly. Helmets, suits, shoes, nets, and other safety gear aren't all they sell and support. They also carry a huge array of trackside gear and car parts. Everything from scales and fuel cells, gauges and battery chargers, and everything else in between. OG Racing carries all the brands you're looking for great prices on, and with over 25 years in the business, OG Racing is a name you can trust to sell you top quality parts and products at a great price. Check them out on the web at ogracing.com, or call them up at 1-800-934-9112. You should buy the most important parts of your car, the parts that keep you safe, from somewhere you can trust. Trust OG Racing. Again, that's www.ogracing.com or call 1-800-934-9112 and tell them Slip Angle sent you. Welcome, everybody, to Slip Angle Show. I'm Austin Cabot, and tonight we are in Tuella, Utah, at uh, Utah Motorsports Campus, formerly Miller Motorsports Park, at the Pirelli World Challenge Race um, with Mr. Andy Hollis. How's it going, Andy? Great. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, of course. I've been, uh, Adam and I have been talking about having you on the show for quite some time, and so now I'm glad that we finally have the opportunity. I know it is a little bit late. You know, it's about uh, 10.30, almost 11 p.m., um, so really appreciate you having me over to the RV and giving me a little bit of time. Everybody else kind of wussed out and left, but they did. Uh, they got uh, big days tomorrow. You guys have a big day tomorrow too. We do, home. mostly driving. So <laughs> the next two days. Yeah. So, um, but we were here. Obviously, you uh, you help uh, Tom O'Gorman um, with his PWC effort. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you and Renee Hines, who actually just left. We we're going to try and do something with her, but it's been a long day. You guys actually had two races today plus qualifying. Um, it was a really, really big day. Uh, how did uh, how did everything go? It was hectic. Yeah. Uh, in, in fact, this was actually the third day in a row that we've that we've uh, been working hard. So we did a test day two days ago, uh, what they call the promoter test day, um, and we did three sessions that day, um, trying out a bunch of things um, on the cars. Some of them were things that we're hoping that that World Challenge will allow us to use in the future. Some of them were just things with respect to running at altitude and, and, and such like that, because this is the only event we do, the, uh, the race weekend, yeah, that's at uh, altitude. And right. with the turbo car, obviously, that has an impact, and we can get into that a little bit later. Um, and then yesterday was the regular uh, first official practice sessions for World Challenge. We did two sessions yesterday. So at that point, we'd already run as much track time as we typically do in an entire World Challenge weekend, because we don't usually do the test days. Um, and then for uh, whatever reason, they scheduled as you said, qualifying race one and race two throughout the day today for uh, all the touring cars. Uh, And boy, was that, that was just crazy. I mean, there was no time to get everything done that you needed to do to prep the car. 
um, and you know analyze what you had done the previous session, prep the car for the next session, boom. And we had a few issues to deal with um, along the way, a few surprises. As you know, I've learned that with these things, be prepared for surprises. There will always be surprises. So you're not really surprised because stuff always happens. Right. No, you know, watching watching the race, this is the first PWC race that I've ever been to, oh. um, if I'll be honest. I've been to some some continental stuff, um, but never been to a PWC race. And it was really, really cool to walk around. I mean, you know, when the guys from Bubba Burger were grilling burgers and giving them out, you saw a bunch of people from other teams, you know, coming over. Like, you know, Anthony Magnoli and all the, te- the guys from uh, Rooster Hall Racing were down here eating and talking to you guys and having a good time. I mean, it, it seems like the paddock is actually pretty closely knit uh you know in some regards so that was really really cool to see absolutely true and that was one of the things i noticed when i first started coming to these races even before working with tom um you know back when they opened up coda and and world challenge came there and and i went out to a race and i was like i started walking through paddock i'm like wait i know you i know you and all these guys i had known from from previous motorsports involvement that sort of disappeared from the 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 sphere i was you know playing around in um this is where they had gone right and they were either you know drivers or crew chiefs or or uh, or what have you, even some officials um, that that I knew um, d- had no idea they were doing it. Um, and as you say, within the paddock itself, everybody knows everybody, and and people are very willing to help each other out. I mean, clearly it's it's motorsports, it's it's competition, right? But at the same time, some guy comes by who's your competitor and says, "Hey, do you have a?" you know, a, a brake rudder or, or, or clutch part. Or in fact, I guess, let's see, today somebody was looking for brake proportioning valves, had a couple <laughs> of requests for simple tools where they had forgotten theirs, um, some wheel spacers. In fact, I'm not sure those got back to me. I'll have to check on that. I just remembered. Um, but, uh, yeah, every, everybody's cool and, and, and stuff. And the other thing to remember is um, a lot of race teams don't last more than a couple of years. And right. where do you think those people go? They go to other race teams. Right. Well, after, you know, 10 years or so, all these guys know people because they've worked with them. Yeah, it becomes a family. Uh, it does. It really does. Yeah, no doubt. You know, and similar to what Adam and I talk about with, you know, our grid life events, uh, you end up racing so many events, you know, per year, you end up spending more time at the track with your track family than you might with your extended family. True. Very, so, very, very true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's uh, it's really interesting. And a lot of times, you know, Adam and I have noticed that we'll talk about cars and stuff, but you end up talking about what's going on in each other's personal lives and things. So, yep. Yep. so that's really cool. Yep. Very, very, very true. Yeah. So this, uh, this track, I've never been here before. The facility here is actually really, really nice. Yes, uh, it is. And there's actually a lot of decent runoff as we were talking about earlier. Um, but it seemed like there were a lot of very, um, well, not very, there were a lot of instances in turn one at the start that caused the races to to go under full course yellow for multiple laps, uh, which was the case for race one and race two today. It was for touring car, yeah, and and that's um, you know, it, I've certainly seen this before already. Um, usually, it's race one. Um, for whatever reason, people are all amped up and stuff like that, and they've been thinking about it since the last race, and they've got new stuff on their car and new this, that, and the other. Um, and you know, several cars try to occupy the same physical space in turn one. Um, and we've had that a number of times at a number of tracks and, and there's usually some sort of melee and because it's mixed class racing, we run in, in touring car a, but the, the bulk of the field is just, uh, is just regular touring car, which is the faster ones. And then we have touring car B, which is where we competed last year right. uh, at the tail end of the field. Um, and, um, we'll have split starts with a little bit of a gap. 
but inevitably it's the you know 20 plus touring cars where multiple of them end up in some big melee in turn one and then we come upon it and have to deal with it yeah um and and it's really interesting you know hearing tom describe each of the two (laughs) incidences today as to what he could see what he couldn't see and sort of his decision process you know as he sees one thing okay now i think i'm going to do this oh and then suddenly some other guy is now spinning in you know around this way now i'm thinking i'm going to go that way and you're making all these micro decisions um, in milliseconds, um, as you're trying to to, to uh, process all the information with the stuff coming at you, and it's it's just crazy. Yeah. Um, and luckily for us, at least, we came out of it, you know, unscathed uh, both times. Um, in fact, the one time, Tom just drove off the track on purpose to get away, to get away from, from all everything. the spun out cars and crashed cars that were there in front of him. But uh, yeah, you know, I think the other thing that, that contributes to it here is the the front straight on this track is almost a mile long. Yeah. Um, and so you get up a pretty good head of steam so you know you go back to newtonian physics there's a lot of energy there to dissipate and, and there's a lot of good paved runoff out there too well <laughs> it, yes and no there's also what they what you know these clouds of dust that get uh that get they get uh, kicked up um which contributes to the blindness um where a couple of guys will go off and suddenly there's this big cloud of dust that comes up over the track and you literally can't see yeah um and and it it makes it you know you kind of guess where you're going to go and if you're lucky, good. If you're not, oh well. You go back out on a wrecker. Yeah, race uh, race two was a standing start with the whole field all at once. You know, Indeed. they didn't stagger them at all. They were nope. all together. Nope. And uh, I think that contributed a little bit to it. I mean, you had probably what fifty-ish cars, something like that, on yeah. a standing yeah, start. It was quite a bit. If you add was, all the classes yep, together, it was I mean, quite a it bit. Was, yeah, it was yeah. a lot. And, and here's the thing: a lot of these guys race in multiple series and stuff like that and world challenge is the only one that does the standing starts and of course we only do it on the second race um so it's not the kind of thing that a lot of these guys have practice at you know on the other hand somebody like tom he's done a lot of secca pro solo and stuff and this is this is second nature i mean and in fact we totally kicked ass oh yeah on on the start and he we started p6 and he literally passed all of the touring car a competitors by the time they got to the end of the front straight it was awesome i remember hearing him come over the radio you know after coming through turn two and you know all everything got straightened out and he was like i think i'm in the lead yeah, exactly. It was really cool. It was it was interesting to have the the radio too. You know, when Dave Montgomery and I were sitting up in the stands to be able to hear you know radio chatter between you guys. Right. So, right. And and every team has a different style of that. Um, you know, it, it's interesting if you and I know you guys were listening in on on, on our teammates mm-hmm. uh, Shea Holbrook um, and and their crew. Um, they have a completely different style than yeah. we do. We we uh, Tom typically runs his own race we don't really give him a lot of direction we give him information so we let him know what lap times are we let him know what differentials to the next competitor are we let them know if like you know that the faster touring cars are going to start coming in through and lapping the field or something like that um we give him that sort of information uh but we don't do a whole lot of coaching or or any of that sort of stuff um that's not what we do on the other hand i, I know on shay side there's a lot more coaching going on mm-hmm. real time because she responds well to that and kind of likes that um and so just a very very different sort of thing i mean you listen to their radio is just constant back and forth chatter going on where ours is different and different other teams do it in different ways too yeah no what uh what really impressed me was just how calm tom sounds when he's on the radio you know yep. he's just super calm and he actually sometimes he's actually pretty funny too yeah 
Yeah, there, there's and there's you know I mean Renee and Tom go back a long time and yeah. and, and are very close friends and and so uh, I remember at uh, one point he goes you got it sister or something yeah, yeah, something yeah, like yeah, that well, on the radio yeah, yeah, that, that was that was a response to a to a, <laughs> a particular comment uh, but yeah he, uh, he but it, it, but usually that kind of lighthearted stuff only happens when there's a full car shallow right and he's basically just sort of biding the time and and uh, and not letting anything get in your head you know any distractions and all like that so he just kind of stuffs I mean she'll tell Joe and stuff to uh, to Tom. Um, they have a little thing they do typically at the beginning of the race and stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, it's 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 uh, very different, but very calm. Renee's same way. They're all business on on the on the microphone. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Now, so you've uh, you've been with Tom for the most part for most of his Pirelli World Challenge races. Uh, I know the first season with TCB. I don't think you were helping as much. Right. So, um, yeah, his very first year, he basically only ran a couple of races, right. and, and those were the crowdfunded stuff and all like that. And and the way it got started was the following year, the opening event was at uh, Circuit of the Americas, which, you know, and, and, and I live in Austin. Right in your neck of the woods, yeah. That's right. And, and I have familiarity with the track as well. I get out there quite a bit. And, and he just... He was looking for somebody to help him out um, that day, just turn some wrenches and all, because um, everybody, well, anybody who knows Tom knows that we don't like him to turn wrenches. It's not, yeah. it's not, it's, not, <laughs> it's never a good result. Um, so anyway, um, the, he just asked, you know, like, hey, that'd be fun. Um, and I had a ball. I, I totally had a ball that weekend. And uh, uh in addition to enjoying, you know, as I say, we walk through the paddock. I know a lot of people there, um, and um, just being around pro racing is kind of exciting, a lot of fun. Um, but more importantly, what impressed me at that time—that was the first time I'd really worked with him firsthand—and and just seeing the skill level um, in car control. I mean, we all know the time can drive, uh, but the, the the better part that impressed me was just. Um, uh, how smart he is in his racecraft. Um, he, for somebody with as little experience as he has so far, um, he is years ahead on racecraft um, strategy for the race, tactical decision making, um, setting up passes, and particularly when you think about TCB, these are cars that are fairly well matched. They're they don't accelerate particularly well. So if you make any sort of bobble whatsoever. You get passed by two cars, and right. you just can't. You lose all your momentum, um, and so he was really, really good at all this stuff. I was super impressed with that, um, and uh, basically volunteered. Hey, you know, if you need me for any more races this year, let me know, and uh, we'll see how it goes. And, and as it turned out, uh, we ended up uh, helping him out a couple of more races, including the finale out in. Um, uh, out in California at Laguna. Laguna, yeah, yeah. yeah Mazda, Mazda Raceway. Sorry, uh, sorry. I, I, I was corrected. <laughs> you are by a that. Mazda driver, now. Uh, as well as a Honda driver, yeah. And <laughs> and, and I've actually been corrected myself um, by uh, by Mazda PR people. Um, but anyway, yeah. So it's it, I, I kind of have a scar tissue from that one. I, I, <laughs> I burn when I if I try to say Laguna. Um, but yeah, so that's how it got started. And the other part too is that uh, was working with Renee. Um, we found that we, you know, we worked together like hand in glove. I mean, we ended up the very first time like finishing each other's sentences. Like I'm starting to think about in, and you know, like, okay, doing fuel calculations. We do it exactly the same way. We're on the same page on all these things. Um, it it was just super easy to work with her, um, and uh, and we have complementary skill sets. Um, and so the sum of the parts was 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 you know I guess the total 
the sum it was bigger than some of the parts or however that goes it's late <laughs> um so anyway that that worked out really well and so as a team i think we really gelled well and and uh and got a lot done and you know we won a championship that yeah. was that was uh that was pretty cool what surprises me you know you walk around the paddock a lot and you see a lot of these teams have tons and tons and tons of crew members you know and and shea racing is actually a little bit smaller but really for tom's car at the events it really seems like it's it's you and renee well, it's, it, it's, it's me and Renee, um, but it's also uh, Seamus Erskine. Mm. Um, and so if we go back like to Mosport, um, Seamus, I mean, he's handling basically a lot of technical stuff on both cars. Okay. Um, and uh, if you go back to Mosport where we were involved in that wreck, um, where we had to uh, cannibalize that streetcar to, uh, to get all the parts for it to get him back into race two, um, it was, it was uh, Seamus, myself, and Renee working nonstop for I don't know how many hours uh, to get that turned around in time for the ra- to be race ready for the next day. Um, and again, talking about complementary skill sets, you know, I'm not a body man. Renee's not a body man. Seamus is a body man. That that dude can make uh, a panel straight that you know starts out like a rumpled piece of tin foil, and he can make that panel look straight. And uh, he's he's really really good at that sort of thing. Super technical uh, knowledge, um, lots of Honda, total Honda fanboy. Um, you know, we got off on talking about all kinds of old Honda cars and stuff like that. And so, um, you know, we talked to each other for five minutes. We're like best buds. I mean, it was a lot in common, but again, complementary skill sets. And so, uh, and then the rest of the, the team has other things that they do that contribute to the effort as well. Um, but for for the most part, for the car, it's, it's, the, it's more the three of us. Okay. Now, this weekend, because we didn't have any major issues... He spent most of his time on Shay's car, right. um, and that being a new build, um, yeah, like brand new build, like brand new build, finished. like three weeks ago, it was in a dealer's lot, yeah. Um, because as a brand new build, it it was it needed parts get put on it. I mean, literally, they were putting parts on it um, each day this week that we wow. were here. Um, parts were showing up, new parts were going on, um, and so uh, yeah, they they were they were busting butt on that car. Okay. So what one other thing that I found really interesting, too, is that for you guys, I mean, you and Renee are both drivers as well. So, you know, I can't say the same for a lot of the other crew members, you know, for a lot of the other teams. And I, I think that changes the, the dynamic on how you guys work together because it's kind of you know what Tom is looking for or you know what you both are looking for if you were out there and you can kind of communicate on that level as opposed to somebody that has experience you know crewing for a car but might not necessarily have the driver mindset right so so what i see is that it it allows us to communicate using the same language right Um, and that was something that tom and i fairly quickly were able to establish a vocabulary where he could describe what the car was doing i could describe um, some potential fixes for that. Um, and Tom, Tom is you know, continuing to learn more and more about suspension geometry and, and vehicle dynamics. He's got a pretty good knowledge of it, but he's always wanting to learn more. And every time I suggest a change, he says, why this instead of that? And I'll explain it to him. Um, and he'll he say, okay, that learn. makes sense. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he's totally make, he totally wants to learn. Not only just because he wants to know the stuff, but it also, again helps us communicate at a higher level with fewer words um, so that when there's some really, really weird problem you're trying to describe, you've got a better vocabulary uh, to work through it with. And um, uh, so, yeah, we actually did, a, we had a couple of times this week and we were trying to work through a few of those issues. Um, and uh, yeah, being a driver helps with that. Yeah, absolutely. 
So, you know, a lot of our listeners probably recognize your name from, you know, doing a lot of tire testing for grassroots motorsports and things like that. Um, but when did you actually get your start in driving, you know, in a performance manner? You know, this is probably going like really far back. Ann is laughing. Yeah. So, uh, 1978. Okay. Uh, was actually my was first. Was it a 1978 Volkswagen Dash? Uh, like, like, no, 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 no. So, my first autocross car was a 1966 Shelby GT350. Oh, wow. A legit real live Shelby GT350. Wow. Um, and that was one of my daily drivers. Um, and, and Anna laughed more over here at the time. I don't remember how many cars we had at the time, but, uh, those were the days when that was, just sort of a cool used car. It was not a collector car per se right. at the time. Uh, I mean, there was a Shelby Club, but it was no different than like today's Miata Club. Um, and uh, in fact, what we used to do with the car originally was we would go to Shelby Club meets where uh, everybody would get together with their cars and there'd be a little car show and there'd be a little part swap. Because again, before the internet, this is how you got parts for your car. Um, and some vendors would be out there and, they'd be, and there'd be food and stuff. And then people from around would come out to see the cool cars. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we did that for a couple of years, but it got to be where you'd go to like next month's little meet and all, and the big news would be, hey, look, Joe got a chrome valve cover. Woohoo. <laughs> or, so, or somebody else bought a new car. That might be a bigger deal. But it, it was just kind of boring. And then one day, one of the club members uh, who lived in, 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 this is when we lived in Baltimore, he lived in the same town. He had a, was his a 69, I guess, um, GT3 or GT500. Uh, he said, hey, I heard about this thing called an autocross. Let's go. Um, and we'll take our cool cars over there. Everybody will think we're neat and all like that. So we, okay, fine, let's go. So we go just to watch and see what's going on. Well, as you know, from any autocross, you see some noob come in with a cool car. You say, Hey dude, you got to come run. Yeah. And they all enticed us into running. And I will tell you that 30 seconds into the very first run, I thought to myself, I'm never going to another car show in my life. This is what I'm going to do. I'm Mm going to drive and I'm going to do this. Um, and that was kind of the beginning of that whole deal. And, and uh, uh, I went to every autocross event I could find for the rest of that year. I actually won a championship, a regional championship that year, but only because the way the points work, it's like I went to all the events. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't think I ever won a single event in my class, um, but other guys weren't going to enough events. So, right. I, so I won the thing. What part of the country was this? In? Uh, this is in Baltimore, Maryland. Okay. Um, so in the mid-Atlantic area in those days was highly competitive. Um, for autocross, you could run in Baltimore, you could run in metropolitan Washington, um, and you could also run up in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, just over the Pennsylvania line. Uh, and those are each about an hour apart from each other. Um, and in fact, there were times we'd run three events in one day. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And, and we had, we, in fact, there's with the one car, we had three drivers in the car because there was no limit. Um, and so my wife, my brother, and I would, we, it, was, it was a Volkswagen GTI, and we would, Go to D.C. in the morning, and then we go to Baltimore in the middle of the day, and then go up to Harrisburg for the end of the day. And <laughs> and uh, uh, it, it put a lot of abuse on the car. That's 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 for darn sure. But uh, yeah, that's that's how that whole thing started. Um, and then it just you know, the whole progression of cars and things like that yeah. over the years and stuff. But so uh, did autocross make you make the transition from the Shelby to a car like the GTI? Um, so so what I learned was uh, well, okay. So the GTI actually got purchased. Primarily as Ann's first daily driver. Because okay. prior to that, we usually had about five cars. Okay. Used cars of various types. I mean, they were all performance cars. And in fact, 
mostly Shelby's and a Sunbeam Tiger. She had a oh, Dodge. Oh, Sunbeam Tiger? She had a Dodge nice. Charger. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, I'll tell you about that one in a minute. But to answer your question uh, on the GTI, you know, we, we had, I guess we had one daughter at the time. Um, and Ann was working and I was working and, and uh, she was a nurse and, and oftentimes had to go to work um, in the evening or foul weather or something like that and had to go. Um, and any of those cars was not particularly dependable. And the reason we had five cars at a time was because two might two be running. running. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so anyway, she finally put her foot down and said, look, we just need a real live new car. And so we searched around for something that would be um, uh, a good fit you know, for her as well as someone we could potentially autocross. And, and the uh, original Volkswagen GTI had just come out at that time. This was a 1984 model. Um, bought one of those, loved it. Um, absolutely. And she drove to work every day and, and it turned out it was the car for the class. We had no idea that it would, but, um, well, I had a little idea <laughs> anyway. I found that cause prior to that I had not been winning a lot, but I'd been having a lot of fun. Suddenly I'm like winning at the local level again. And suddenly I'm winning the class and it's like, okay, maybe I did learn something these years of driving the wrong cars. Uh, and stuff like that. And so anyway, that's how we got into the uh, the GTI. But prior to that, we had run a bunch of other cars, too. So okay. it was the Shelby. Um, there was, yeah, the Sunbeam Tiger. We actually bought that already built. Um, it was built for um, B prepared class, but it was a street driver. Okay. Um, and we did then what people in stock class started doing later, which was I put the slicks in the back of the car, drove to the event, drove changed tires, changed back, drove it home. And and uh, um, which was hilarious if you think about four slicks in the back, the of back yeah. of a Sunbeam Tiger. <laughs> uh, that was pretty hilarious. Those cars are pretty cool. Oh yeah, that that car was stupid fast. That, and she drove that to work every day for a while. It scared the really? crap out of her out of her <laughs> her uh, 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 friends at work because she would take them to lunch and and. Um, and was always had a little bit of a heavy foot on the uh, on the accelerator even before she started autocrossing. Um, so uh, yeah, we, that car got a lot of a lot of good use, a lot of fun. This makes me wish that I would have brought an extra microphone out. So, and you want to come on the show? I have an extra mic. I can hit pause real quick. Cool. Oh boy! All right, we're back, and uh, we got Ann Hollis on the show now too. So you were uh, you were sitting over in the corner. Making some good comments, and I was like, "Oh, we gotta have we gotta have Ann on the show too." So. You always have to get the facts straight. You know, sometimes Andy forgets a few things, so I always hey, want to correct. As a journalist, I'm a, I'm rule number one of journalism, as we said earlier tonight, never let the facts get in the way of a good story. Yep, that's right. So, well, thanks for your time as well. Uh, no problem. Welcome so, to the Hollis Hilton. This thing is awesome, and uh, I really think we should talk uh, about when you guys decide to upgrade to something else. Because uh, as I was telling you, this is exactly what my wife and I would like to have eventually. Yeah, we 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 enjoy it. That's for sure. We've had some great trips in it, right? So, for those of you that don't know, the uh, the Hollis Hilton is a, uh, a Sprinter-based Winnebago RV. So, a lot of the listeners know that I've had this infatuation of living full time in an RV, and uh, I mean that's what you guys have kind of been doing the past month. It sounds like. Yep, been on the road for a month. Okay. Yep. So. So, Anne, when did you get your start autocrossing? Was it from, you know, from Andy so kind of going to events? The in Yes and no. So, yes, he was going to events. We had two small children. I had absolutely no interest in racing, and he 
just kept at me and kept at me because apparently I was a little aggressive on the street. Is that how he got his first date too? He just was like persistent? <laughs> and, uh, you know, so really I got in the car to, to shut him up and actually did kind of well and won nationals the first year. Oh, and nice. So it was kind of one of those things that there was probably some hidden talent. And when I got home, I said to my brother, you know, who's 10 years older than I am, you know, when I was about six or seven, did we used to go to this parking lot and watch these cars drive around? He's like, yeah, yeah, I used to take you all the time. I'm like, well, I just won nationals doing that. Never really had <laughs> realized it. You know, my brother was into cars. I learned to drive a stick pie when I was seven or eight, you know, sitting on his lap and stuff. And, and so, you know, it was an awesome thing that Andy and I shared for, what, 20 years probably? Right. That it was, you know, it's not many times that you can share a hobby like that right. with your husband. Right. And both be successful and support each other. And, um, you know, through the ups and downs of some of the racing stuff, we we continued on. And, you know, we're very successful. Um, and then we decided we really wanted to get back to the sport. So we did um, two or three years of traveling to every national SCCA event. We developed um, two different uh, instruction programs. Plus, we were teaching for... Uh, it was Evolution. Evolution, time, yeah. yeah evolution Performance Driving. And then, unfortunately, um, a couple of years ago, I was a designated driver, and we were rear-ended. And mm. I ended up with a cervical fusion. So that kind of ended my career. And... Andy started doing more of the track stuff, which is, it's tough. I mean, I still get teary because I am really not a track wife. You know, you saw me this weekend nurturing Tom and the, and the team and cooking and, and it's great. And I'm happy to do that. Um, but not being behind the wheels, really the driving. Tough. Yeah, yeah, it's really hard. And I think for me, that's why I've never been, I'll be honest. I've never been a huge fan of pro racing. And I think it's because I show up and I, I get kind of jealous. Yeah. You right. know, I really do. It's like, man, I wish that was me out there. Right. And I know a lot of people will say, you know, if you wanted enough, you'd find a way. Well, but I think that's a really cool thing with a Gorman is that, you know, he comes in and he and I will sit and, you know, kind of just talk about the mental part of it. You know, like I can still help him with that. I can't really help him with his driving, obviously. I mean, he's right. such a talent beyond. But, you know, just like the reality checks of what was going on this weekend, you know, we didn't have a great race this morning and it's like okay let's like just put it beside and you know let's do what we can do and and um i don't know if it helps or not but it certainly makes me feel like i did, did at least <laughs> contribute a little bit to this amazing team that that he's put together right now you guys yourselves you guys have done a lot of one lap in america events or one lap of america not one right. lap in america it right. is late sorry one lap of america events together you know as as a team well and that's it that's the one thing that i can still do i can do all the transit driving mm -hmm. um and the one year i didn't go our daughter had a, had our our second grandchild okay and um that was really tough and so we just both have just really kind of tried to commit to to doing it every once in a while i get tired and i'm like i don't want to do it 700 miles 800 miles <laughs> i can't do this and then you know you just dig deep i do the late night driving um and so i've kind of figured out how to manage that with sleeping in in the morning and stuff but that's fun and that's a huge family that's become our new you know autocross we have friends all across the country right um the racing we're starting to get friends all across the country but the one lap family is now our new oh totally i mean we, we basically build our motorsports program for the year if you want to call it a program it's just a hobby around uh, for one the lap. Year, around one lap yeah yeah, yeah. that yeah. well that in world challenge okay as it so far it hasn't conflicted i'm really worried that one of these years you know or maybe even next year that there will be a conflict that i'll be go oh my god now i gotta what figure am out what i'm gonna, gonna do. do yeah exactly yeah. but anyway 
fingers crossed that, that, that it all stays open for next year as well. Um, but so the thing with the one lap is um, what I found uh, with it early on was that uh, being an autocrosser, I'm fine with basically flat tracks where I can see all around the turns and things like that. But if there's a lot of hidden turns or, you know, elevation changes, stuff like that, I need to drive that track or I'm not going to be very quick um, with very little, you know, practice time. Right. See, which is the way it works in one lap. And so I'll go pre-run the track. Yeah, so we so, pretty much do at least two one yeah, laps so, a year. At least so two. In, right. So in the <laughs> fall, you know, or early spring, I'll go out and hit some of the tracks that I haven't been to before or maybe just a refresher. All of them. So that, that basically fills out parts of the program as well as going to stuff local i mean again with coda in town um i got to track days there a lot i instruct with with uh, one of the one of the bigger groups there um and then i'm also a member at uh, a little country club style track called harris hill raceway harris hill, yeah. yeah yeah in san marcos and um and that's a cool deal because for 200 bucks a month i can run as much as i want like there's there's times i'll be there three or four days a week um, and you know, to have different cars take take a couple of different cars down there, and and uh, it's it's a blast. It's a total blast. Yeah. So that's sort of our participatory, at least my participatory thing, and then her, you know, coming along with one lap, um, and we work really w- together very well on one lap. As she said, she's the night owl. I'm an early bird, um, and so um, compliments each other. It, it works out really well. really well. Yeah, because yeah, you passed about nine thirty. You're done. I'm done. <laughs> you know, I'm done. A, but was, at 4 a.m., I'm up driving. I have no problem. Yeah. It was a really interesting transition. So, you know, when I got hurt, Andy had just started to kind of look at the track stuff. And then, you know, when it wasn't something we were doing together, the track made more sense. And watching him going from driving in very safe conditions to all of a sudden driving, you know, depending on which car, up to 150, <laughs> 160 miles an hour. That's a, that's a whole different that's a whole different ball game. And at one point, uh, one of our friends, Danny Pops, like Ann, he has you know he's going way faster than I ever thought he would. You know, so we started dealing with safety issues, and I really had to work through the danger because autocrossing we chose over wheel to wheel because we really didn't feel like there was that much danger. Mm-hmm. And we have some friends that um, do some pretty dangerous uh, work over in the Middle East, and they do it because they love it and so that's where i've come to terms with this you know anyone realizes that if a guy is a racer it's in his blood and it is never going to go away you know it just isn't and so god forbid that something would happen he's doing what he loves but that's a really that was tricky to get to that point you know because it was just it's very high speed there's a real high risk and you know that little honda crx that's just flies that's an old car and, you know, he could not make a mistake. There could be a mechanical issue right. that he had nothing to do with. And so um, I was a nervous wreck the first couple of years when he was out there and made really good friends with one lap because they saw what wives go through. <laughs> but now I'm just like, oh, yeah, he's out on the track. And he, he's well-trained. He, he knows that if he goes off track to get the corner worker's cell phone and call me and let me know he's okay if we don't have the radios going. Um, but, yeah, it's been fun. It's different. We so, really enjoy it. So was, was one lap kind of what got you into? To starting to drive on on track versus autocrossing, or yes and no. So I had started. Uh, well, for, so they built Harris Hill, um, and this is uh, it was like ten years ago. And the very first year, I didn't join because I wanted to make sure that it was going to be a viable entity. Um, and there's an initiation fee. It wasn't much, like a thousand dollars or something like that. It's not like these crazy places where you people are paying tens of thousands of dollars. Not like that at all. Um, and in fact, 
when I joined, it was refundable <laughs> if you chose to, to not continue. Um, so I figured, ah, I can't lose with this. So I let him do it for a year. It looked like it was going to continue on. I said, okay, fine, I'll join. Really liked it a lot. Mm -hmm. And initially, I was just running one of my autocross cars, which was like a, a street touring Civic that I had. And I quickly learned, gee, this is not particularly exciting on a big track down a straightaway. You know, so then I built something with a whole lot more motor in it and started having a whole lot more fun. At the same time, some of our friends had been running one lap, in particular, um, Ian Stewart and Peter Lear. Yeah. Who Anne had been autocrossing with yeah, in Super Street. It would co drive with them back in Super Street a few years. So um, they kept bugging us saying, if you like the track stuff, you need to go do this event. You can do this event. Okay. So one year, um, uh, in, in one lap, the route changes every year. So this one year, it came through Texas World Speedway, which is not too far from us, maybe an hour away. We drove over there to go see our friends. Basically, we just figured we'd go see our friends drive around the track a few times and you know, ha have some jollies and we'll go home. And first off, it's raining. Torrential. Torrential. <laughs> so we're like, but, so we go in and, and first off, we, we notice, wow, we know, already know a lot of these people, you know, again, kind of like World Challenge Paddock. It's like, these are guys I knew from autocrossing back, uh, back east um, or guys that had gotten into track day stuff that, that had, I'd known from doing other things. Um, and so that was one, you know, that was one thing. The other thing that was, made a huge impression was it's pouring down rain and they're having a ball. Yeah. I mean, a ball. Um, and when did you ever go to an autocross where it's pouring down rain and people are having a ball? No, they're whining and complaining <laughs> right. and this and that and you know, and a beer and like that. And we're like, you know what? This, this is for us. We, we got to do this. And it, the original plan was to start the very next year, build a car for it and start the very next year. It took us two years to actually get there, but we did. And since, since then it, you know, it's just changed our lives. I mean, we just, we can't say enough about how great it is. Well, I remember that car that came in. So what was it? A, a Lotus super seven? What was that? Oh, car? Yeah, 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 yeah. And then it had attached to the back of it, a trailer, mm -hmm. right? And it was one alternative fuel that was in the trailer. And it was filled so with the 85. Really? The trailer was, was. the co-driver sleeping in the trailer. Yes, the co-driver sat alongside <laughs> what? about I don't know thirty gallons of E85. I kid you not. Oh, Look it up. Go that. Google Google like one lap of America. Like a small little like enclosed it's a, trailer. It's, it's a um, oh jeez. It's a Super Seven clone called a Super Light or an Ultra Light or something like that. I think okay. S two thousand motored thing. I yeah. yeah yeah yeah. It was it was crazy. And of course they're wearing like you know snowmobile gear with it with a motorcycle helmet on the thing because it's an open car and all like that so uh yeah it was it was pretty pretty extreme pretty out there i'm hoping that uh that adam jabay and i and uh, abram schmucker can actually bring his evo 10 out next year you that's, should you, that's the plan right now so he, let me give you some advice um <laughs> and this is the same advice i give to everybody who talks about running one lap the very first year do not build a car for one lap so when I say you build a car for one lap, it's more like choose a reliable car with reasonable power, good brakes, reasonably comfortable. So not an Evo 10. An Evo 10 would be Abrin's fine if it's stock. <laughs> well, Abram has Ish. run before. Okay. With Did a mostly stock car. Okay. I think he, he finished like top, I think he finished like 11th. Okay. okay. Well, then that's yeah. good. Then, yeah, then he understands. Yeah. But that's why I try to tell people. It's like you, the step one is to learn about the event and experience the event. And the only way you really experience the event is if you finish the event. 
Right. And the last thing you, so the thing that makes one lap so challenging is that there are no prep rules other than one set of tires. You do whatever you want to the car, but you basically are going to live in that car for a week. Yeah. So if you make it really stiff to handle better, guess what? You got to live with it. suck on the highway. Um, or if you make it um, uh, really, really loud with a really loud exhaust, guess what? You're going to listen to that all week long and not be able to hear yourself think. Yeah. Um, so all those, li- or you get something uber light with you know that's small. You've got no room inside, or you don't put AC in it, or or or, or even like a radio or something like that. Really? Have we done that? <laughs> Who would ever do that? So yeah. The, so the reason that <laughs> that's the, the CRX, way the CRX was, right? Yeah, and it and I became the like wife of the year because people would watch me literally bouncing, <laughs> and so we had a route where we went across Michigan. And if you ever got with oh, that 90, Michigan roads are horrible. Okay, yeah. I literally Ugh. hit my head yeah. on the roof on the of roof. the CRX, <laughs> the and that was with strapped in, and I'm like, I'm done. This is not healthy. Yeah. So you know, so then, is that when you came back and bought the Miata? That is exactly when I came okay. back and bought. That was the year we we bought the the Miata. And uh, to put the K motor in and, and uh, put the electronic shocks on it and all like that. And I'm still convinced, I, I still have the CRX, actually. I'm still convinced I can make it way softer. But the problem is to make a front wheel drive car handle right, you have to really stiffen up the rear, and right. which inherently makes it a crappy ride on the highway. Where a Miata, you don't do that. I mean, you do sort of normal stuff to the car because 50 50 weight distribution, double A arm suspension. Um, and so you can do fairly normal kinds of modifications and make it good for both. Yeah, then so. there was that year that we lost our minds and got a McLaren, and <laughs> yeah, I was, was in heaven. When I reached down and realized that there were like all these controls on my seat, I was like, oh. So, so I started playing, and then there was heat seat heaters. <laughs> I'm like, radio? you got to be kidding that me. That reminds me. I actually, I guess on your, your way up to Tire Rack, when you were towing that thing, you went through Nashville. Okay. And one of my coworkers took a photo of you guys towing the car oh, and, goes, and goes, and goes, what car is this? Like, yeah. he didn't even know. Right. And I was like, oh, it's a McLaren, and I know who that is, yeah, too. Exactly. Like, yeah. Somebody posted this random yeah. picture of yeah. us, and I bet it was him. We had no yeah. idea who that was. Oh, that's that, really that's, That has happened more than once. Yeah. We have been, quote, spotted yeah. around the country, um, and somebody will post a, like, nice rig, and it'll be, you know, because it's, it's the, it's the uh, Winnebago towing, towing yeah. thing on a nice Trail X trailer, yeah. and then somebody else go, oh, I know who that is. <laughs> that's was XYZ. That, was that a 650? Uh, no, it's a 12C, um, oh, okay. which is, which, so a 650 is basically the new version of a 12C. Right. Um, they realized that calling a car an MP412C is probably not a great that's a, idea. Yeah, that's a, that's a mouthful. Yeah. And so for the second year, they just shortened it to 12C and the same with the third year. Then they came out with a 650 when they revised the front bodywork. Right. Um, and there's a few other little changes in it, um, but that's about it. Um, but yeah, so it's effectively a 650, but it's just the very first year. Okay. Yeah, I uh, I got to drive one of the five seventy S's when I at AMP when I was working for one of those exotic yep. exotic companies. Yep, and uh, came away pretty impressed to be honest. The five seventy really, is I love a, the steering wheel in the five seventy. Just the steering wheel profile. Yeah, yeah. you know, it kind of comes to a point up front. It's it just felt really nice. The five seventy is probably the performance value of the year when, when it. I mean, the price they're selling those things at, and and here's the thing. I mean, they li- they have pretty high list prices. But you can cut some really good deals on those things. Uh, in fact, these days they were really giving them away a lot because they've got like the 720s coming out, and so right. they're trying to clear 
some inventory and stuff like that. And, and but uh, yeah, those things those things are really good. I mean, I've driven them back to back a five seventy to a six fifty uh, at a McLaren owner's track day, and mm-hmm. the local dealership brings out cars and lets you drive them. Um, and so uh, I've driven them on on track back to back and. Acceleration-wise, even though the 570 has less power advertised, it really doesn't accelerate that much less. The biggest difference is just it doesn't have the Uber hydraulic, electro-hydraulic dynamic suspension. Um, and once you get used to that, you never can go back. Yeah. Um, I mean, the 570 suspension is great, but it's a traditional coilover style suspension, and it just doesn't do the magic stuff. Um, that the uh, that the one in the 12C and the 650 does. Yeah, but you get more seat time in the 570 because the 650 gets put onto the trailer. <laughs> Just saying. The the 570 that I drove, uh, I drove it. I drove one at AMP, but I also got to drive one out at Exotics Racing mm-hmm. out in Fontana, California, and I couldn't feel any bumps. Right, the car felt great. Right. And then I hopped in the GT3. GT3 yeah. was phenomenal. It was faster. Yeah, but. I didn't realize how bumpy that parking lot right. was well, until in, I got into yep, the GT3. In fact, we owned a GT3 prior to the McLaren. Um, we owned a 997.2 GT3. Okay. Um, and uh, that was one of the reasons we got rid of it. It was just, it wasn't getting used. Now, we originally bought it to Autocross, and then when she had you know was involved in the accident, you know we couldn't use it anymore, but... I was going to be taking it to the track, and I stopped doing it because Harris Hill's a little bumpy. Yeah. Um, and even just driving around the street, it's so impractical. Um, Gearing was really hard to drive it on the street. It wasn't fun at no, all. No, it wasn't. So we're like, and, and one day I, you know, I go to the garage, and, and, and like there's cobwebs under the car. The battery's dead. And I'll say, like, okay, time, time, time to, to sell this. Yeah. Time to sell this. And, and I mean, it, it was a little while later before we bought the McLaren, but uh uh, yeah, the the uh, we owned one, so I can I totally you know uh, empathize with what you're talking about there. Yeah, I mean, I was just it completely blew my mind. Yeah. You know, I didn't I didn't realize the difference until you drive two cars back to back that are similar in speed and yep. capabilities, but just tuned to just kind of a different mentality. Right, right. So, uh, yeah, yeah, very much so. Just just different soul to the car. Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. So. Man, but it's been uh, it's been really great having you guys on the show. Cool. I know it's a little late, no uh, but I would love, love, love to have you guys on the show again sometime. Sure, not a problem so at all. So I know that you guys have a lot of stories. We just kind of like skimmed the surface. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. I'm sure we could talk for, for hours and hours. So. Sure. Well, thanks for having us. It was yeah, so of nice course. meeting Yeah, you, you too. So you have to come to Austin. Come yeah, on. Yeah, I might, uh, on the way Road back, trip. I might be going back through. Will yeah. Falls, who runs the NASA sure. you know, um, program there, That's said, nice you know, if I came through to, to hit him up. And then uh, one of our, our guys that helped out with the site and the podcast for a little while, uh, Derek, lives there, too. So Cool. I might find cool. myself coming through there in just a couple weeks. All right. Well, let Sounds us know good. for sure. All right. It's too bad you're not coming for a Pirelli. That would have been yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, that's Labor Day weekend. I'm going to be down with my parents down in that's Jacksonville. That's right. You said right. That that's so. Right. Well, where, where can people find out more about some of the stuff that you guys are doing and follow you on all your one-lap exploits? So we have a bunch of – so I keep – like. We do some social media stuff, um, but it's I keep separate pages pretty much for each, for each of the activity. Just one, oh, okay. it keeps me sane. Right. And it, well, it, it's sort of it's sort of each car. So there's um, the simplest one. So the original one was the one lap CRX. Right. 
Uh, if you go to onelapscrx.com, it takes you to a Facebook page which has all the stuff. And, you know, that's continuing to get updated because the car continues to get used and all I run it in NASA, TT stuff, and various other things. Um, there's a one lap Miata page which has the build of the K powered Miata that we mm-hmm. did. We had the With third. Those amazing metal fenders. Yeah, they're, 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 yeah, phenomenal. Look at 18 inch wheels and stuff on the thing. It's just crazy. Um, and that is the plan, by the way, for one lap for this coming year. Oh, really? That is absolutely the plan. Yeah. Those tractives, tractives ride pretty nice. Uh, they, they absolutely do. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Seal of approval and Air seal of approval. Uh, but we're, but we're, yeah. So, so I heard David's working on that. David's working on the air conditioning. Yeah. Yep. So we're definitely doing that. Uh, we're going to be upping the power level. Um, you do the BMW trans now too. Uh, we're going to put that in there as okay. well. Um, and uh, yeah, we're looking at uh, a little more power. What? My, my, what? Oh yeah. Oops. Maybe we shouldn't be talking Oops. about this. Oops. Uh, my goal. My goal is. First. So my goal is to have the same power to weight level that the McLaren has. Okay. Um, but that car has way more tire relative to the weight than the McLaren right. does. And so we're gonna be out, where are we going to be with that car, with the Ooh. Miata? What the do you week mean? before Pirelli at, at Mazda. Oh, that's right. We're going to uh, Miata's at Mazda Raceway. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. The week before um, the finale for uh, at uh, Mazda Raceway. Okay. Um, I think I'm going to try and be there. Yeah, should. I think. Should. So that's that's the goal. I'm, I'm, I'm just deciding now what... Which of the upgrades is going to go on the car before we get there? Um, but I definitely have, have made plans to uh, to get it out there. But anyway, so that uh, that car, so it's that one is onelapmiata.com. Again, takes you to the Facebook page. Um, there is a one lap McLaren page on Facebook. I don't think I bought the URL for that one. So just go to Facebook and look up one lap McLaren. Do you have one lap Winnebago as well. Um, I don't have that no. one yet. There's also a Hollis, <laughs> Hollis Racing okay. Facebook page, um, and, and that has all the for sale page. Yeah, that has all the. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the the Hollis Racing page has all the um, uh, autocross stuff on it, including all of the 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 whole download on the ST Civic stuff that that uh, back when I, I built that and was winning championships with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, that has served as a resource for a lot of people uh, on that thing. I think we even have one lap McLaren too. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, one lap GTR, but that's at this point going to be a big for sale ad. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, if anybody out there on the show wants to buy a used for only one week. GTR, beautiful red with a cream and black interior. Oh, you don't see them in red a whole lot. Uh, nope, that's really that's why bad. we bought it. It's a really slick looking car, um, and it has, I guess, what six thousand miles, which includes the trip to Tire Rack, the full one lap, and the trip back to Texas. Um, and then we parked it and went on this trip. What for, year is it? For it's a uh, what year are we in? So it was, yeah, it's, no. No. 2017 now. No, it was a 2016. 2016. Is that right? No, I thought no. it was 2017. Oh, is that what you guys ran last year? No, no, no. The 2018s were coming out, right? Didn't I buy a 2017? I guess you did. Huh. I don't know. It, it was a, it was a leftover <laughs> or whatever when we bought it. So I guess that would be seven. No, it was a 16. I don't know. It's red and it's yeah. cream and it's really nice. Yeah. Beautiful anyway. car. Great on highway. Oh, oh my gosh. Phenomenal transits. transits. Amazing. It's just phenomenal. It's just, and it's fast car, super fast car. We, we got eighth place overall with the thing. Won the... Uh, uh, won the stock GT class um, on basically a bone stock car with just tires, you know. Um, but you never driven it. We picked, literally. I went yeah. and bought it Monday. It and we left Tuesday that, that morning. That was that was left. part of the shtick for for GM. Or like you know, because everybody says, "Oh, these cars are out themselves, right?" So we're like, "Hey, let's prove it." You know, that was because the McLaren was in the shop again. Yeah. So we're like, "Let's prove it." Uh, but anyway, so uh, those are a couple of places you can follow what we're doing. Okay. Um, and of course, just follow Tomo Racing. Um, and you'll see a lot of the stuff that we're doing with uh, with Tom. Yeah. 
Well, guys, See? thanks for uh, for all that you guys have helped out with uh, with the community and obviously with Tom's program. And sure. thanks again for all your time. Great. Thanks for having thanks us. For having us. Yeah, we'll talk to you guys soon. Thanks.